¿Qué onda, primos y primas? And welcome to My Primos Podcast. My name is Freddy, and with me as always is my primo and yours, Walter. Say what's up, Walter. Hey, man. How you been? It's been a while, man. I've been good. How about you? You disappeared. Uh, por un ratito, un ratito. Life, right? Like, uh, I've been telling other people, too, um, but just life. Um, for good reason, though, I mean, you've been doing your thing, I've been doing my thing, sort of like an unintentional hiatus yeah. right, type of a thing going on, which kind of worked itself, I don't know, It's we needed it. We, a little break. We needed it, yeah. I, think we I mean, it. unintentional, but it was necessary. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we've been gone for a while, we're, you know, coming back to it, hopefully week to week. We have a lot of things in down the, the line that we're working on, some collaborations coming up that we definitely wanted you guys to listen up for. Uh, some really of us putting our feelers out there with social media on uh, Central American Twitter, you know, Instagram, and <laughs> uh, hitting up everybody out there, but just stay tuned for that. But tonight, uh, we're bringing a special episode, an interview we have with Javier Hernandez. He's a creator of El Muerto, which this interview happened right around the time of Días de los Muertos. De los Muertos, yes. So uh, we are behind. Uh, I blame Walter and life. But we're going to talk with Javier, uh, kind of dig into his past, where he came from. He grew up in Whittier. Uh, also, just where his trajectory has led him. You know, he's kind of an innovator. He is an innovator in the comic industry, especially for Latino creators. Remember, we are all about representation in all things. And, you know, we kind of have a... Uh, a, a pulse if you would at least uh, some arm's length connection with a lot of artists here from texas and and all over hopefully uh but walter you know what did you take away from the interview what do you think is kind of something to look out for uh i mean no spoilers i guess i mean i there's uh, one of my you know the question i i loved how he answered it you know at the end of the day was you know and look out for this like how do you get started and get things done and he answers it pretty succinct and to the point. Um, there's a lot of intricacies and in how, you know, variables that happen when you try and get something done. But at the end of the day, he says it best right there, so pay attention to that. But other than that, just have to be – because you'll, you'll see it during the interview. But it, for me, at least, it was, I guess – uh, like you said, you know, it was it was pretty dope because uh, I'm new to that to this type of content, so I was able to be there in between both of you and be part of the conversation. So yeah. it was kind of pretty inclusive, cool. you know, it's inclusive. But uh, before we jump into that, you know, I want to thank everybody that has uh, kind of kept up with us, following us on social media. You know, we have a lot going on in the world. Uh, you know, life happens. You know, I have a family. Gualter has a family. Things we got to do. Like any, anything else, you know, but want to jump back on this, uh, really take it by the horns, if you would, and just uh, do better, go back on week to week. Uh, but, Gualter, you were out of town, you know, tell us a little bit about your trip. You were in L.A. Yeah, it was, because right, we did the interview with um, Javier, um, not Javier El Chicharito Hernandez, but <laughs> Javier El Muerto Hernandez. Um, and then we were trying to, you know, put it out there, but we kind of said, Slow down. Let's try and edit it and do a good job with interviewing him, and you know, hopefully that come, hopefully that comes through. 
And then, but yeah, I ended up going up for Thanksgiving to LA, kicked it with some friends, ate too much food. Um, but that's the point. Yeah. Mikey Yoshinoya, thank you. <laughs> I was like a five man feast for two. Um, but anyways, just yeah, I was in LA, had fun, um, had, went from one job to another. And within a month to another, so I'm at a different company now, so that's pretty cool too. Um, so Jack, kind of jumping around and just trying to settle into place. Yeah, settling in my down. Quote unquote career or whatever the fucking, and like you said, try and get back into this, which you know I miss playing some. Oh yeah, I miss it too. So I'm glad we're we're back, you know, and uh, we're. Hopefully How about you, this... real quick, you? I moved, like I said, I had a lot of a transition to move. Uh, work changed a lot, but um, you know we got we got through it. Uh, we got through it together. Uh, here we are again. You know, familia, ayudándose familia. You know, in, in many facets. And so, yeah. like, like we've always talked about. You know, we want to care for each other and look out for each other. And you know, you helped me through a little tough time right now. You know, we all our families we're going through some changes. But just to not to drag it down, you know, because we're, we're here about uh, moving forward. We're going to look forward to our next episodes. And I also want you guys to really look at this interview. It uh, has a lot of inspiration in it. Uh, I want to give Javier his dues and his thanks for really taking the time with us uh, and just putting himself out there, sharing a lot about his process, where he came from, and El Muerto. You know, so this is our, our Back from the Dead episode. Uh, and also so very there you go, appropriate. Uh, but I hope you guys enjoy it. Take the time, and we'll hear from us. We'll hear from you'll we'll hear from us soon. Uh, and then again, thanks for listening. You guys were you guys were Latino comic. I was there. Yeah, I, I, I met you. I was a little uh, as I was a little starstruck, and I was like, oh shit, like that's Javier. I told my wife, my son was there, and I'm like, oh, this is this is Javier. Like he created Muerto. And I would be honest with you, like I remember being in like you know, junior high, I think early high school, going to City of Industry to Frankenson's. Oh, I didn't know you're from out here, Freddie. Yeah, man. We're we're from well, I grew up over there. So Freddie, Freddie, where are you so Freddie is from? I'm from LA. I grew up right in LA, LA County. Oh, LA. Yeah. Wow, man. Me too. I'm from also from LA. I grew up in in in, in LA off of Hoover in eighty eight. Wow. And then my parents Yep. And then my all the riots and everything. And then yeah. my parents moved out to Actually, I moved to Salvador. I lived there for four years, and then came back, and wow. I lived in the Inland Empire for. Since then, I went to college in Pomona, actually. Oh my God! Which is which is the last sit city to be part of it, the LA, LA County. You barely made it. As soon as you pass Pomona, it's no longer LA County. So I, I, I went to Cal Poly Pomona. I studied civil engineering. So I'm actually trying to become a licensed civil engineer here right in on. Texas. Cool, cool. In Texas. It's not Texas, it's Texas. Yeah, he's in Austin. Um, I'm here in so Dallas. Yeah. So then that's, yeah, he's in Dallas, so that's how we find ourselves. Oh, okay. Well, that's great. I had no idea you guys had uh, L.A. roots. Yeah, man. And to we... just kind of give you a, just to kind of give you a little bit of story of why we started doing this ourselves. One, sort of like, you know, therapy, right, to a certain extent, just mm -hmm. to have a hobby and do something. Right, but right. more so and more subtly, 
we're somos salvadoreños. There's not a lot of representation here in Texas, right. per se. Right. There's a lot of salvadoreños in, in, in California, in Los Angeles. Yeah, for sure. In, in Koreatown y todo eso. Entonces, I told them, hey, let's just start doing something. Let's start talking about this shit. We have a particular background that, you know, not a lot of people hear about here. So we just started doing this, and that's where we're at right now. And what type of feedback do you get having... from uh, your gente? Well, we've been getting that. There it's is, been good. It's been good. A lot of positive feedback saying that there's a voice. of There was a voice that we kind of fit the need for. Yeah. That it wasn't just the the typical conversations either. I mean, because we could sit here and just talk about nothing but Salvadorian politics or Latino politics and all that. That's kind of what people right. are wanting. But, you know, me and Walter went into more of the facet of we started about representation. Representation in all facets, right? In all things. Mm-hmm. And so we started talking about the creative space, the business space, you know, education, everything like that. And so it kind of grew and people have been really vibing to it. Because it's not just, you know, people that are only into comics or creating. It's people that right, are into right. everything. And so we get good feedback. And, I mean, it's fun. We enjoy it. That's I mean, good. It's a lot of fun. Uh, well, so we're just going to jump into it and get started. You know, this we are having uh, the pleasure to be visiting here with Javier Hernandez, creator of El Muerto, from also heading up Los Comex. Uh, just want to thank you, Javier, for joining us tonight. Uh, you know, we have an audience that just loves to listen to good stories. Uh Human human interest stories, not just that, but just just life, man. So I thank you again for coming on board with us. Yeah, it's good to be here with you, primos. So thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, hopefully your pub, your audience gets some pretty good informa- information out of here, some entertaining stuff, and maybe some stuff that makes them go, hmm. Mm, yeah, so, always thinking, yeah. man. Siempre pensando. <laughs> No, but um, as always, you know, we want to just start off. Just tell us, uh, where did you grow up? You know, kind of what neighborhood did you kind of grow up in? And, and kind of start where your story started. Well, uh, they made a movie out of it. It's called Born in East L.A. Um, <laughs> but now I, <laughs> I was born in East L.A. And um, the Cheech and Chong version? Heavily edited. Heavily oh, yeah. edited. I bet. No, but... Uh, so I was born there, but my parents came from, uh, so it's funny, we always say, you know, our parents came from Mexico, like dad is, was actually born here in California in Redlands, okay. Redlands, California. Oh, I know and where that's at. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's now a thriving city, I think. So back in, he just turned 91 this June, my oh, dad, wow. so he's been around. Um, so anyway, at an early age, uh, his parents got divorced, so then, like, the mom got the boys and the dad got the girls, so... Uh, the mom moved down to Mexicali, so dad pretty oh. much grew up in Mexicali. Uh, then kind of made his way farther south, and eventually he ends up meeting uh, mom, uh, who's from Sinaloa. Um, so yeah, and then he'd come back and forth to the U.S., but then he'd you know go back there and you know meet meet her family and stuff. And eventually, so they got married in Mexico, and then they moved to East L.A. because he has. His family was in East L.A., his sisters and everything. Yeah. Uh, so for mom, it was a new experience to go from Mexico to East L.A. And for those that don't know, I mean, for those that are from, like, Los Tejanos that don't know what East L.A. means, what what is it, like, what cities fall within East L.A.? Yeah, yeah, so it's Los Angeles, but it's, like, the super heavy Mexican uh, part of Los Angeles, East Los Angeles. So it's mythical, it's almost mythical now at this point, and it's, it's East L.A. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Boyle Heights area, East Los, whatever you want to call it. Um, so yeah, they moved back to they moved to East LA, um, 
and they started having my brother was born there and my sister and me and then they moved us all to neighboring city Whittier. Oh, Whittier, okay. California. Wow. Yeah. Um, now I call Whittier. I now call it East East LA. <laughs> all the chicken, all the chicanadas just spread all the way out from East LA to Whittier. So no, but uh, Whittier is like nicer, right? It's like a nicer now. area. Traditionally, now. traditionally, yeah. it's an old Quaker town from whatever the eighteen hundreds. Oh. Yeah. So our biggest claim to fame in the old days was that Richard Nixon was um, uh, grew up here in Whittier, oh, and wow. they also filmed Back to the Future, the first film. Ah. Yeah, when they go back in time to the 1950s to the dad's high school, yeah. that's when you're high. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. And I love yeah, Back yeah, to the Future, man. Yeah, so we look, look, look at the film again, and then when you're, the, the high school in the movie, that's my high school. Um, they also filmed He-Man, the movie. Uh, <laughs> the Dolph yeah. Lundgren one? Yeah, the, on the, when they're chasing up and down on those little hover jets, whatever, on that yeah. one. They show the same damn street as Greenleaf. Greenleaf. That's our central street in what we call Uptown Whittier, so... Um, Anyway, hopefully that familiarizes people with East L.A., Whittier, basically, but I'm still, you know, from the L.A. area generally. So I grew up in Whittier, still live here, actually. I've always liked oh. it here. It's just out of the way enough of L.A., like away from the hubbub and all that, but it's close enough. I just either go up Whittier Boulevard or Beverly, and I'm in L.A., or I take the freeway. So. I mean, what, but I consider could, myself Whittier like in L.A. Whittier, or Whittier, L.A., and when you were growing up during that time, I mean, what was the neighborhood like? Was it predominantly Latino, Mexicano? I mean, what was the mix like? Actually, yeah. Uh, I'm older than you guys. Uh, but, yeah, I definitely when I was a kid, all my friends in school, they're all Mexican-American, whatever. I guess I never get it straight. Is it first generation? Like, if your parents are from the country. Oh, listen to the first episode of Latino. <laughs> <laughs> we figured out that we're not. We're, we're, uh, we 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 delve into that. We were actually it's we if what is it you would explain it better what it is we're okay, second so generation. The way you look at it is that to kind of to make sense is like when you say first generation, right? We tend to think ourselves because we were born here. That's what I always but thought. If you think yeah. about it. If you think about it, um, at that point, if you think you are first generation, you're completely negating or disenfranchising your parents from the the amount of time they spend here. And if you think about it, for example, my mom has spent more time in the United States than she ever did in the Salvador. Right. So if you look at it as statistical or percentage-wise, she's much more American than she is Salvadoran. So we're technically right. second so generation. That's why they are first generation and we are second generation. Like. You have to kind of really split hairs and, and you know, but it's true. You, you can't deny them from the, the time that they spent here, you know? I get Okay. Well, I've been educated. Awesome. <laughs> there you yeah. go. Yeah, that's part of why you say first generation, second generation, and, you know, not get it twisted. Yeah, all right. Because then, cause then you, you tend to forget about our parents yeah. when you see yeah. They're the ones that took the big trip, you know? Yeah. Yep. They're the, ones that did, they, they, they're the ones that did the heavy lifting. So, you know, I grew the, the home, you know, I tell people I grew up in a bilingual home, you know, so in one room, dad's listening to his records, um, actual records, kids. Yeah, there you uh, go, 45. Javier Solis. Uh, Los uh, Bukis, no? Los Bukis, <laughs> uh, Vicente Fernandez, That's and then at the same Jesus time. right there. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> at the same time, my brother's playing his records, um, the Doors, wow. uh, the Doobie Brothers, uh, the Beatles, of course. My brother, my brother's a huge Beatles fan. Clash? No Clash? Uh, no, no, because this on. is 70s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, 
as a kid. I'm a little kid in the 70s. Okay. So we're going way back here, man. Yeah, the Clash was when I was in college. All right, mm-hmm. that, that was night music I grew up with. But growing up, you know, we'd be watching Sábado Gigante. We'd be watching uh, Siempre en Domingo. I don't know. Even... Yeah, Siempre en Domingo, Sábado yeah. Gigante. Oh, yeah, right. all that stuff. And, and, of course, Chavo del Ocho. But at the same time, then I can just flip around on the other TV or change the channel and watch the Six Million Dollar Man, The Incredible Hulk, the old Adam West Batman TV show. Yeah. And it was just, uh, I think they call it code switching, the academics. But, yeah. you know, for yeah, me, it's... like, okay, watch something in Spanish. Okay, blah, 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 I got it, I got it. Oh, let's watch Batman. It's called you know. it's called code switching and strategic ambiguity. Oh my like, god, those are two big words, man. I just yeah. say I just watch whatever. I just watch all kinds of shit. Hey man, yeah. but you know what was the coolest thing is when you watch Batman, sixties Batman in Spanish or Star Trek in Spanish. That was a trippy <laughs> thing. You're like oh shit, like what's happening? Like that doesn't yeah, be- look right. But that's what we. I, I get it. I grew up with that too. You know, like the that's Spanish awesome. versions of everything. But I mean, and. Around there, I always ask him because when we're kids, those are the things that really influence what we do moving forward. When you were young, did you just feel that? I mean, I, I like to, when I was a kid, I loved reading. I loved writing. Yeah. And I, I still kind of stick to that. I mean, what was your thing when you were a kid? I mean, was it always artistic? Was it more sports? What were you into? Well, so we got to go to my brother, Albert. I mean, every interview, I, I end up mentioning him. So because without him, wow, it's amazing. Yeah. He used to draw, right? He used to have a sketchbook, like I have. Yeah. Actually, I'll give you a little peek here. Oh, hey. Um, oh, damn. I gotta hey, why, he, why, why is he so brown? Because <laughs> it's, it's Javier making comics. Ah, there you <laughs> go. <laughs> I like um, that. I like no, that. No, so my brother, you thanks. So he had a sketchbook, and he would draw, like, these sport, like, real cartoon sport characters. Yeah. You know, big jaws, but they're baseball players, whatever. Yeah. So he used to draw... And then he used to collect comics. And then one day, he just gave me the big old bag of comics. Like, I don't want these. He was in high school now. I don't want these. You want them? So, as an eight-year-old kid, big brother is drawing and reading comics. So, guess what eight-year-old me does? I draw, start drawing, start reading comics. So, that really, who knows what I'd be doing. I wouldn't be talking to you guys, probably, if it was a different brother, because I'd be into something else. And then we may not be, Having you know, I wouldn't be on your radar. So yeah. who knows? Yeah. Who knows? I mean, I um, always ask the question because my dad was more about the, hey, man, do what you want, but learn a trade. My dad's a plumber. Right. You know, my dad's a yeah. plumber. So he's like, hey, learn a trade, learn yeah. something get, physical. Stands. Yeah, get something to kind of, you know, just in case. That's always right. told me, right? Right. I never really gravitated to it, but I have it. I mean, what was the 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 vibe when you were growing up? Was it, hey man, that's a, cute, that's a cute that's hobby? A good, that's a good question because we asked the same question to Gonzalo from Pollo Man mm-hmm. in terms of how there's very little um, appreciation put on or placed upon that talent that is anything involved with the arts when it comes from a Latino perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Like me. Like I have a brother, El Edding. Yeah. He did a design, and he he's a more artistic guy. Mm-hmm. And they always, you're not gonna do anything with that. And then when I mentioned that, oh yeah, I want to do engineering. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like nothing but support. Yeah. In- ingeniero, right? They want to but make then, money and have a living. Yeah. Like según, pero no, cabrón. Yeah, that's what you think, <laughs> pero no. You gotta work hard as fuck for that shit too, man. Oh yeah. Right, it's right. a, it's a white man's world. It's not a man's world. It's a white man's world. But um, but yeah, like that. I would. It, it would be interesting to kind of know your your experience because we asked Gonzalo, younger cat, younger than yeah. much younger than us actually, and 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 it's. I want to see if if it, I want to see if it's changed in any way 
You, you know? know? Yeah, in my family, it was very interesting because my parents, neither, neither of them are artists. Um, of course, dad, you know, dad was a blue-collar worker or um, worked at a factory and such. Um, yeah, our parents were very kind of like, as far as education, um, I don't want to say hands-off because it gives the wrong impression, but, like, we, you know, we'd come home, we'd do our homework, but, like, we would do it, right, each of us? Yeah. So they didn't. No, they didn't like, can I can I inter can I interrupt you yeah, on that hands off thing? Because I'm gonna tell you my experience. Like my dad told me once, it's not that they're hands off, but when my dad told me once, hey Walter, um, yo ya iba llegar. Like I'm a, This is as far as I'm gonna make it. From here on out, I can't help you. Like, I have a sixth grade education. Like there is like it's, it's kind of like it's not that they don't want to help you. It's just that they don't have the capacity right, to help right, you. And right. Like so, you were the first one to try and figure that shit out, you know, for for so that it that's would then point. benefit your cousins, your brothers, people around you. So that's what we're all trying to do. You're like, we're all quote unquote right to use that word pioneers within our own like little struggle, right? Because that that's kind of like I always like to point that out because. Um, it's not that our parents can't help us. I mean, don't want to help us. It's just that they can't. They had. They don't have the capacity, which does not equate to intelligence. Intelligence is a completely different thing. It's just they don't have the capacity. You know, like it's part of that same struggle that you're talking about. Like, okay. So I mean, we kind of just found our way from either from school and then either through college or trade school and then a career. Uh, for me, I you know, I was the one actively going to college to study art. It wasn't art school, just. Uh, community college, but, you know, uh, obviously the art classes were the ones yeah. that got me excited. Um, yeah. th but I, but then from there I ended up getting a job at a screen printing department um, in, in the art department back with the early days of early computers and such. Yeah. So at, th yeah, at that point my parents said, okay, well, he's doing art. He always wanted to do art. It wasn't drawing comics or cartoons, but it was a general art field. So um, Were they just happy yeah, that so you were no making money in something? Yeah, exactly. No, exa exactly. You, you that, sound like a can I like you sound like a young Einstein. That's what Einstein was like. He was well, working at a printing press. Like okay, that's probably was, the only thing I have in common with Mr. Einstein. People. Yeah, he was working at a printing press while he was working on his you know relativity. I didn't know that. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's what he was doing. So you were a young Einstein of so the did it, But did you ever have that conversation? You know, like we talked about it. Like I like to see that big that that change in. When you were growing up in the seventies, you know, like late early eighties, making those decisions, because we have like Gonzalo, for example, in my case, where my folks were like, "Oh, that's cute, that's great, but you need to do something else." Did I ever come across or no? No, because well, I was going to college, but I was always working part time uh, at Toys R Us. Believe it or not, originally oh. in my early twenties. So I mean, you know, for that again, my parents were like, "Okay, well, he's in college." So he's oh, okay. taking care of that, however many years that's it. And he's working part-time, so he's not just sitting around doing nothing. So, you know, they, they, but they weren't monitoring like, oh, is your two, you know, have you got the two-year degree by now? Oh, it's okay. just as long as, like, you say you're in college. And I wasn't lying. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm in college, you know. Da, da, da. So that's why I say it kind of hands off. But like, okay, well, at least he's doing something. He was doing college and part-time work. And then from that part-time job, I got a, a, my friend hired me to work at the screen print part-time, and eventually that went to full-time. So from the parents' perspective, okay, this guy's working. 
Yeah. Like you were saying, I yeah, mean, he's got a skill make or Make some trade. money, go do something with it. He, 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 day, right? he didn't get some. He didn't get. He doesn't have kids. He doesn't. He's not in jail. Not a gang. Yeah, no, there's yeah, the whole jail thing. Yeah. Not in jail. Not in the streets. Like, so every day. <laughs> yeah. And then as high as you can go from there, that's good. Right? That's all gravy. Yeah. No, no, definitely. I mean, uh, was that always the plan for you? Like, no matter what, like you wake up in the morning and you're gonna go to school. You go to the printing job. Was that always in your mind? Like, I'm gonna do something artistic. I, yeah, I wanted to, yeah. See, that's the thing. I wanted to do something artistic. Uh, comics wasn't, I mean, I loved comics, always collected them, all through yeah. my 20s. They got burned out by the, probably my 30s. I mean, you know, after you read like 15, 20 years of Spider-Man, Hulk, Batman every month. You're like, kind of okay, done. I think, I've seen every, I think I've seen every type of story you can do, Now everything I see is just repeats of that, but yeah, won't get into all that. Um, But at one point, the comic bug is like, shit, you know, I want to make comics though. Like I'm making, I I was making really good money at one point because I became the art director of the art department. Yeah. The other guy, the other guy left, and like, oh, I got promoted. So then, you know, but you get comfortable. Like, okay, I'm making really good money. I'm making the best money I've made in my life up to this point. But it's high stress job because you're middle management, yeah. right? The, the work's got to get done. You're dealing yeah, with the artist, yeah. but then you got this stupid ass bosses, and the. Gotta whip somebody else into shape. Right. So middleman. So anyway, yeah. it got really horrible for me for a while. There's stress and everything. I think that's where I developed high blood pressure. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I didn't do it on my own. It was, it was the work. But anyway, nice. in the mid-90s, I was getting that bug. You know, I want to make my own comic. I want to create my own work. I don't want to work for Marvel or DC. Again, I've already read all this stuff. You know, everything's fine. Um, I don't want to get into all the issues. You know, growing up, you start reading about your heroes like Jack Kirby and others. Yeah. How they got not, not treated well and stuff. So... I had a very bad taste in my mouth about the comic business, yeah. not the art form, the business. And not every person, not every artist, mostly the companies, like any company, you know, you can have bad opinions about. So how do I make comics but not working on Batman or Iron Man? Like, oh, there's this thing called independent press. Ninja Turtles had hit really big in the 80s, I think, the, the yeah, comic. The comic, yeah. Before they built the empire of cartoons and toys and movies. Those guys are awesome. But... Indie, com indie comics are always around, you know, you know the underground stuff with Crumb in the 60s, 70s. But really, the Ninja Turtle 80s really changed the model. Like, oh, damn, you can create something on your own and own it. Own it and make money on it if you're lucky. So, hey, can I, can I, uh, can I comment? Because yeah. I want to give you credit because you, you were doing back then what, what now is being done on a regular basis. And I, I'm thinking back at it and I go like, damn, like, when I saw like when I saw El Muerto and I was like, Oh, this is dope. I like it because it's not when mainstream. Was when was that? Date I was like was that? for me it was like I wanna say like two thousand, like in the that neighborhood. Like right around there. was ninety eight, so yeah, anytime after you would have seen it. <clears throat> so I liked it because it was that underground. It wasn't D C Marvel, it wasn't the big guys, it was something different and you know, when everybody goes through their teen years, you want that Hey, this is a weird band that no one knows about. Or this is a really right. a cool. It's my band. It's, it's my band. Yeah. It's my thing. And really looking at that, you took it upon yourself to own it, right? Because you always heard that you said those horror stories of these guys that put their heart and soul into something and it's not even theirs. Exactly. Well, so I got to backtrack, and I like the way Hector stopped the interview and, cre and credit credited me. So in, in the mid '90s, I'm looking around what's out there. There's a lot of indie publishers, self publishers, a lot. But I knew my comic at the time, I hadn't formed it yet, but it's like, okay, I want to do a Latino comic because I want to do something. Back then, we didn't have hashtag representation matters like mm -hmm. you guys got now, but we 
we're, a lot of us were interested in doing something representative of our culture. So for me, it'd be um, okay. So culture. so just to kind of like root to because I did some research on you before. You know, like Freddie, he he's he's consumed your stuff before. I'm new to all this content. Um, I did some research. You know, found a podcast, listened to your stuff. But what I'm trying to get a sense is of like where what like who planted the seed for you to kind of start looking inward within your culture to kind of create your own hero, hero essentially? Um, That's a good question. No one's asked that specific question. I, I can't recall that it was somebody. Like a eureka moment? Obviously, you're not going to like remember the exact eureka moment, but because it's, it's hard. In your memory, what gives you like shit like this inspired this? Like, I don't know, like a... Like Cesar Chavez quote, I don't know, something like that, you know, not necessarily that, but, you know. No, no, it was, it was just really organic. I mean, it was, you know, I knew I wanted to make my own character, and it, it was just mm -hmm. like as simple as that. It's like, well, but I want to make something that I didn't, okay, I want to make something I didn't see in comics growing up. Um, and, you know, I didn't see a lot of things in comics, but I specifically wanted to see a Mexican uh, superhero character. I didn't grow up as a, like a teenager in my early 20s, like thinking about like, oh, I got to create a Latino hero. I wasn't yeah. thinking about comics. Um, it's when I started to like just get that bug. Like, you know, I'm working, I'm art director, that's fine. But really, I don't want to do that for 20 years. I mean, it's just not really, really what I want to do. So yeah. I want to make comics. And then that's always, it was just start looking out, okay, who's publishing, who's making comics. And then at the same time, it's like, yeah, but what am I going to make? I'm not sure of the character at the moment, but I know it's going to be a Latino character. So when I wanted to do that, I looked what was out there, and I found uh, two people that are, I always talk about, they're very uh -huh. key they're as examples of what I wanted yeah. to do. Like, and I already knew I wanted to do a Latino character. So there's this guy from Texas, Richard Dominguez, who predated my, my 98 debut by a few years with his comic, El Gato Negro. Yeah, yeah. El Gato Negro. So he, he, was at, he was at the Dallas, right? Latino Comic Con. He, he, yeah. he was there this year at the Dallas Latino Comic Con, yeah. Um, so I saw his comic. I saw it in Hispanic Magazine, actually, as an article. And I was like, oh, check this out. This uh, independent, creator-owned, self-published, Mexican-American cartoonist making his own character, El Gato Negro. And then at the same time, there was another guy here in Los Angeles, uh, Carlos Saldana. He does a comic called Burrito. Yep. It's basically like a, a talking animal comic, you know, a little donkey character. Yeah. He gets involved in these weird time travel adventures and such. And um, it sounds like so, Rick and Morty. <laughs> way before there, probably yeah. Way before Rick so, and Morty. It was um, uh, yeah, those two guys. Like, okay, so here's two guys doing it. Exactly what I want to do, and it's possible because they're like. They're both, the fact that they're both Mexican-American made it very relatable, and they're doing black-and-white self-published comics. So uh, me and my friend Rafael Navarro, uh, who does a book called Sonambulo, came out just a few years before I started. We were both thinking of doing our own comics, so we kind of went to, you know, we went to go visit Carlos Saldana up in uh, San Jose at the Alternative Press Expo, Ape, probably in, like, 95, 96. Because, like, hey, Carlos, we want to self-publish. So we had all these, qu like... How do we go about it? We asked all these elaborate questions, wanting like a big old 10-page answer. Yeah. He's all like, nah, nah, just do it, man. He just cut to all the BS. <laughs> he just said, just do it. That's he didn't want to sit there awesome. waste time talking. Well, you know, I'll be, I can relate to he can. He's probably had a lot of people asking for advice, and he probably spends hours talking to them, and then they don't do crap with it. 
So he probably figured, let me distill it down to the truth. Just do it, man. Just fucking, just just fucking do, do it. it. That's, that's crazy, but like so that's what he told us. That was a I have a question with that too because you know like we talked about the difference between now and then. Like now I see a huge resurgence, right? Of of people in the Latino community just kind of banding together, right? Like that big support, that big push, like let's put ourselves out there. What can we do to help each other? What can we do to talk about each other? Let's promote each other, right? Was there still something like that during that time in the early days for you? Or was that still uh, more I'm, scarce? No, a little history lesson for everybody. So Carlos Saldana from L.A. and Richard, and they'd met some other people at the time. They had formed this organization called PACAS, P-A-C-A-S. So let's get if I get it right. Professional Amigos Cartoon Art Society, something like that, PACAS. Okay. And it was for people. Back then it, it was wasn't clever. just Latinos. It was kind of people of color. Yeah. No, that's really clever, Pacas. <laughs> yes, yeah, they came up with that, and they had that. They had that before I, you know, I came aboard, and so they, there was a loose, you know, it was just all different indie creators, um, Latino and you know, Asian people of color, black creators, uh, but it was just a very loose group. It was just more like a. It wasn't a publishing imprint. Was, you know, they did their own work. It's just like an association, whatever. Um, like a circle, so, a social circle, the, more like a just kind of a support. Yeah, yeah, more like a social circle because it wasn't like, you know, you didn't pay dues or there wasn't, yeah. you know. So, uh, but... It was so social was, media was, before social media. Yeah, it was actually being social in person. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Not just, hey, buddy, how you doing? Yeah. Heart, heart, You're part of a group. You didn't just have to like it. So, yeah. Um, but So that was going on for a few years. But it, I, I, as far as, you know, from what I remembered, it, it didn't that go farther than that to kind of... Everyone just went their own separate ways. So, but so there was there was that. But I mean, honestly, like for me, and I know Rafael, I don't want to speak for Raphael, but I mean, I, I was there with him when he started. We kind of just had to do it on our own. Um, which you know, honestly, not to start a big old argument, but you know, you guys are talking about community support and all that, and and that's all true. But I mean, honestly, my perspective is a little different. I mean, yeah. I'm Latino. I created Latino character. I created Latino Comic Expo. We can talk about later. Uh, so I, yeah, I, you know, I've been called, I've been called many things. One of them, like, uh, which is embarrassing to say, the, the you know, uh, founding father of the Latino comics community. But, but I don't call myself that. But I've been called that. What I believe, though, as an artist, like, I don't care that I'm Latino. I don't care if this person's Latino or. The Asian American artist or it's a black artist, like you know, they want to represent their the group. Honestly, I think as an artist, you really have to do your own voice and you got to speak and represent yourself first. Just as an artist, just as an artist with a creative vision, I feel that. Um, you know, to me, what makes the community is me doing what I'm doing and Carlos Saldana doing what he's doing, and Richard Dominguez and Laura Molina doing her Jaguar comic, and Rafael Navarro doing his, and Gonzalo doing Boyle Man. So we're each doing our own thing. I'm taking care of my own thing, man. I got to pay for my own work, you know, my own printing. I got to get out there, do my own shows. But the community is that people look at me, they look at Ralph, they look at the other people, and then they see all these Latinos making their own comics. To me, that's the community now. Um, I mean, you could try to build it backwards and like, okay, it's a community. I'm going to call 10 people today, see how they're doing on their comic. Hey, did you get the comic done? I got to make sure you're... I'm serious. I know it's... No, because yeah, no, the thing, the thing I, I know the time, and it's the, the, interesting. The, the, the common 
denominator there is that it's just a genuine, genuine, you know, spontaneous, you know, creation of content based right. on your existence, which is in this case being a Latino, and you're doing it based on your experiences, and that's I, fucking I get, it. I, I and to a certain, to a certain extent, though, like... and to a certain extent, that transcends that transcends any type of label, right? It, it, I feel that like yeah. good content, good content, be it music, art, you know, on painting or, or visual, good content, whatever it, wherever it may come from, it transcends all labels, right? That's the way. That's what I'm, what I'm interpreting from what you're saying, pretty much. Like, yeah, no, that's exactly what I'm saying. And I like the fact that you said that the community isn't that we're all helping each other because we're Latinos. It's it's there. There's a connection, but it's more so. Hey, we're all working on our own thing, and in that, we're supporting each other just because we're still within arm's reach of each other nowadays compared to what it used exactly. to be. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, and and then to add to on to that is like, yes, there's a you know nowadays there's always a lot of Latino support and 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 you know woman support, female support, but to a certain extent, when you transcend that. Your material is just fucking good, regardless. It's just fucking good. Wherever you take it, your content, your art, your it's just good, essentially. Yeah, if you're, if you're building a house, a brick house, I mean, if the house good, is going good. to be as good as each brick, though. If you yeah. got a couple of weak bricks in the structure. So the only reason I say this, because from my 20 years. I get that. I get that. Yeah, the, my, my, my perspective from 20 years. I mean, this is why I say this a lot, man. You know. I've given advice to a lot of people over the years, right? Hey, hey, Mr. Javier, hey, Javier, you know, blah, 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 I want to do this. And then you, you offer, you know, I don't have mind giving advice. Yeah. And I, it doesn't matter to me if they follow through with it. I mean, yeah. what is, it's not my, that's not my concern. But, we, you, you know, maybe a small percentage actually follow through with it. So those other ones, that maybe it wasn't really in them to go do with what it was. In our case, it's comics. Yeah. Um, doesn't, and that's not a bad thing, but, you know, if I would have been worried about each one of them, I never would have got my work done when I was supposed yeah. to. So you're only, you know, you're only as good as you are producing your work, and then the group as a whole is attractive to the outside world or an audience. Like, oh, look at all these great Latino creators out there. So anyway, that's the that's the the gist of that part. No, I, I get that, and to to move forward, you know, like from the subject here, you know, like I think I think that it's just a matter of if I might gather, it's just. Do it, right? Get the hustle it's heavy. and just do it. Just <laughs> yeah. do it. Get the, if you got the hustle for it, go out, go after it. The support will come if it's good, right, from the audience. Like you said, mm-hmm. if, if like anything like me, I, I enjoy music. We, I think we all here can talk about we enjoy music growing up. If the music's good, people will go listen to it. People will talk about it. If your work is good, people will support it. People will look for it, right? That's still right. there. That's still there. And just talking directly about your work, you know, have you had like... Uh, I I want to talk about El Muerto. Uh, you know, we actually, me and Guarter, we're glad to you gave us a copy of the of the new reissue you made. Uh, let me let me let me fucking, ¿cómo se dice? Um, para presumir, he sent us a autographed copy of El Muerto, uh, twenty year right anniversary anniversary edition. Yeah, right? Days of the Dead. Yes, sir. Days, days, not not days as in Diaz, but days as in days and confused. Yeah, which yeah. which got filmed here in Austin, by the way. 
Nice. Um, I can take you to Top Notch. I can take you to if you ever come here. I can take you to Top Notch. You know the the burger joint, but uh, as in Days and Confused, Days of the Dead. So that's very clever, very dope. I thank you it very much. Well, I, me being, I remember the original Muerto, and I read this version, and I read your, you know, your preface. I read some of the afterwards as well. How you, I mean, I'll let you touch on it. This particular version was basically revamped, right? It was revamped yes. from the original to what it is now, finally. And you tell, I think it touches on kind of what we talked about earlier about kind of focusing on your work and what you're trying to do with this particular character in this book. You revamped it for today's day, for today's reader, but also not forgetting where it came from. Can you touch on that a little bit? Yeah, Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um... So the original issue came out in '98, then I and it was a black and white photocopy, totally, you know, you know, uh, low budget um, thing. Like they had made like 500 copies total. And after a couple of years, I ran out of those, and I go, "Well, I better jump up." And uh, so I reprinted it with a slick paper cover, yeah. color cover, and I had like 3,000 copies made. And I actually got it in um, the comic book catalog uh, previews. That's why when I hear people like Hector Rodriguez say he saw it in the comic shop or Eric Esquivel, the writer of Border Town, when he said he saw it in the comic shop in Arizona, it's because I was lucky enough to get national distribution for at least the first issue. Um, so anyway, over the years I do follow-up issues. It takes me forever to get around to doing another one. And um, a few years ago I go, well, I better do the final part of this origin story finally. <laughs> yeah. And... I started drawing the last chapter, the, you know, it was like a big chunk of it, probably 50 pages, I think, at that point, 60 pages. And I go, you know what? This new chapter, this new last chunk, doesn't match up art style quality-wise to the previous three or four issues. Yeah. Because uh, I was going to put them in, in a collection. I go, you know what? I don't want the reader to be reading this book. And then, like, man, this is really rough stuff in the beginning. And then, oh, it gets better. So... I redrew the first, the previous issues, so the book you two guys got. How did that feel? You know, like I'm, the I'm... actual the actual like my questions are always very specific. How did that feel? Very like I don't know, just the fact that you're like retracing your steps, literally. You know, I hate redrawing things. Like even when I do a new comic and mm -hmm. I draw something, and it's like ah, I gotta re it doesn't look good. Yeah. I'll try to fix it, but so yeah, to redraw like a book and another book, and another one. I didn't like it in the, in a little bit of, in the beginning, but at the same time, I know because I want to put out the best book yeah. I could put out for like uh, Freddie said today's audience. Um, so I didn't redo it for the audience. I did it for myself. It was I wanted them to read it, and yeah. enjoy the whole book, but I, really for myself, I was. Doing that George Lucas thing, I always used to hate that he did. Like, oh, he looked at the early films and he had to retouch it up and edit it and add stuff. I mean, as an artist, I, know, I, I agree with you because it's like the hardest part is knowing when you're done or knowing when to. It's yeah. done. It's done. You know, just put it yeah. out there and go on your next book. You have you have things you learn, so apply it to the next book. Days of the Dead uh, graphic novel is the whole origin story of El Muerto. Redrawn and um, and it's the complete origin and you know his first whole adventure. So setting up, setting this up now 
now that I'm way older, for like a, maybe a 10, 11, 12 book series. I, so. I'm excited for that because I liked El Muerto. Wow. Remembering that. And the, 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 the hope for a series like that would be great because I want to, I want to give, um, there's a lot of heart in the book that I think gets overlooked a lot, you know? And when you look over the book and everything that Diego goes through and I'm pleased, you know, like if you haven't checked out El Muerto, you know, check out, definitely check out his series. I mean, I know that you have a, is there a, or your, what's your website where they can go purchase this? Uh, so I, 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 I tell them to go to havzilla.com. J-A-V-Z-I-L-L-A.com. That's my, my old blog. And on the right, there's a link to the store, the web store, and you can buy the book there. And the uh, the book and the new issue, uh, oh, Marto Requiem, but cool. we can talk about that maybe hey, later. PSA, P, like public service announcement, when I was doing research on you, I kept typing in your name, Pinche Chicharito kept <laughs> I know. I used to be the top number <laughs> one and once yeah. you came on board, I get knocked on like ten pages. Yeah, oh, exactly. like I'm like I'm trying to look for El Muerto and nothing but Chicharito, 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 yep. and Mundial. I I ain't trying to look up that motherfucker, like you know, for all his talent as well, right? But yeah, no, but was, so, funny. definitely. So it was something funny on my end. I'll post that on a, on a, the Facebook page as well, just so you're anybody listening. Wants so to Javier Hernandez. El Muerto, and you'll, 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 yeah, you'll find Yeah, then you'll find the stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah but I want to touch on it because there's a, I love the, there's a lot more backstory involved in this version, and uh, I, I dig that we get to see a lot of Diego's, uh, you know, coming up, his interaction with his friends. And I wanted his to, upbringing. Yeah. His upbringing. And I wanted to ask about that, you know, whenever we create, we always put ourselves in that. I mean, is there a little bit of you in there? I mean, kind of a, you were coming up, he was an artist, he's a painter, I mean, do you kind of put yourself in Muerto a little bit, or? Oh no, absolutely. Any author, yeah, no question. I did. Yes, that's there's some. But here's what I tell people: so it's a whole book, and it's not just Diego de la Muerte. It's all the other characters and the bad guys and the gods. Yeah. So what I do is, um, what I tell people: well, it's not just that there's a little bit of my history in El Muerto, but it's in spread out throughout all the characters. Like if you cut me up in little cubes, and then you put some of them. In this character, that one, even the bad guys, <laughs> you yeah. hate to tell, I hate, I hate to scare people who aren't writers, but even your bad guys, you yeah. probably want to dig, dig deep, deep, deep down, down in the dark corners, and find because it's real stuff, whatever yeah. it is, right? Whatever the bad guy is or the adversary. I mean, so, the way like the way you think about it, it's like some of your traits. It better be something scary from your subconscious, otherwise it has no like it's it's just you know straight black and white good and evil there's more than that right it's like right it's more complex than that and the bad guy might like a peanut butter jelly sandwich like you yeah 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 it's not just giving them your bad traits but but then you know like some of your some of your characters i'm not gonna go through all the characters yeah yeah some of them some of the characters like the things i like maybe something in my life didn't work out for me but i'll have it work out for her and then maybe something i did in my life i hate so i'll give that uh, bad part to this character. So yeah, it's just all split because I don't want to make it obvious. Oh, yeah, the this main guy means is based this. On yeah. The author, yeah. yeah, yeah. I like so, it. I like it a yeah, lot. That's the... I, I dig it. And, hey, so so hmm? can I ask you a question in terms of um, cause it's uh, El Muerto is heavy heavy on Dia de los Muertos, obviously, and Dia de los Muertos is you know culturally it's a purépecha comes from the purépecha from Michoacan. 
where did you, how did you get exposed to that? I, I got asked this at an interview a while ago, and it was a big shock to the person. I go, so I didn't grow up. I, I, we did not grow up yeah. in our family with Dia de los Muertos. Yeah. Here yeah, in East LA and Whittier. It's a very exclusive. And, and just to kind of, you know, you start thinking about it, my next question follows along that. Like, it's very, it's a very exclusive thing. Yeah. I mean, so in the, you know, grew up, born in 66, so uh, grew up in the 70s, the 80s. It wasn't really, ex- our family didn't do that. In fact, when I did my comic, my mom's like, what's, what's the comic about? And I go, oh, we didn't, even in Mexico, she wasn't really familiar with that. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, now, you know, you look at it now, um, even before Coco, which is a ma- magnificent film and really put it over the top. Yeah. Hello. Uh, it was getting, it was getting bigger. And, and, and actually I found out, I was told that here in East LA at Self Help Graphics, um, it's probably the first major that. United States uh, enactment of Dia de los Muertos. Oh. So you have to credit Self Help Graphics in East LA for, Taking the Mexican once. traditions and yeah, doing it here. So, um, but for me, so my comic, we should tell the listeners. So basically, what it's about, it's about this young man, Diego de la Muerte. He's born on Day of the Dead, and on his 21st birthday, he's on his way to a Day of the Dead festival. He gets killed in a car accident, and he ends up waking up not in heaven like he thought he would. Uh, he wakes up in Mitlan, the Aztec land of the dead, and he's confronted by. Um, Aztec god of death, Miklantecutli, and Tezcatlipoca. And, um, yeah, they sacrifice him, send him back to Earth a year later, um, and he ends up making his way down to Baja, California, and he gets, like, like, he's not screwed up enough. Poor guy gets trapped in a circus street show. (laughs) Um, That's the basic premise we'll tell the, the audience. And, um... So, yeah, that's the basic premise of it. So, remember, in the mid-'90s, I wanted to make up a comic. So I wanted to do, I wanted specifically to use Aztec mythology, which I don't know when the hell you saw that in the comic, American comic, in the mid-'90s. Yeah. And they have the dead folklore, which was already around, obviously. Obviously, it was around. But you didn't really see it much in comics or at all, and very little in mainstream media. I mean, it was already, go- it was already in the mid-'90s, already circulating through the communities, you know, I know in San Francisco and throughout Los Angeles, but it wasn't making that jump into the pop culture. Um, I didn't get it, you know, it's not because my little comic back in 98 is why it made the big jump, but, you know, I was interested in doing something with that back in 98 when you did not really Before see it. Before it was cool. Yeah, but don't, don't, don't sell yourself short because it's like not something that everybody saw or appreciated, even within our own culture. Within right. our own cultures, it's not like you said. It's a Dia de los Muertos is a very, ex, very exclusive to Purépecha from Michoacán. So it's like the fact that you kind of included it and came upon it, and you know, I'm assuming to a certain extent, discover yourself right through it. It's 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 part of the you know it being remarkable to me at least. You, you know what's really funny? Like me growing up in the '80s, I'm an '80s music kid. The Smiths, The Cure. Psychedelic first. Oingo Boingo. So Oingo yeah. Boingo was one of yeah. the first times on one of their album covers. I forgot which one. They had a there's a photograph. It was like a nice day of a dead display. I'm like, oh wow, look at the sugar skulls. What are the other little sugar skulls? Look at those little toy skulls, candy skulls, and all the pink and green and yellow and all the color and and this bread and 
So they, you know, Ungo Boingo, they were uh, somebody on the team there was aware of it. And, you know, you can start seeing the threads and, you know, Tim Burton and, and Danny Elfman. And, um, yeah, it's an interesting, uh, that 80s Oingo Boingo well, cover. It's a, it, and the song, Dead Man's Party. Dead Man's Party, yeah. And it, did, it didn't occur to me, oh, what's that? I was going to say that you look at the pop culture aspect of it, right? And how things always come in cycles, right? And here we are again. Now we are... I'll be honest with you, man. I can't stand listening to a journey, but apparently now journey is cool again. You know what I mean? So even yeah. if I'm just, Hey, I'm just being real, right? Don't stop. Stop it. Stop believing in that one. But Believe my question is this now with how you said yourself, we use Coco and how everything's blowing up. Do you think that this resurgence in, in Dia de los Muertos can kind of help El Muerto really push itself up to more mainstream? Um, well, yeah, because yeah, now when you talk about Dia de los Muertos and when I talk about my comic, people know what I'm talking about. Like, <laughs> you know, 99% of the people yeah. now, like right away, Dia de los Muertos. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's an interesting point, Freddie. Yeah, that certainly can't hurt. Oh, definitely. It definitely can't hurt. It definitely can't hurt when you pitch it to yeah. uh, say, you, say you were to pitch it to Netflix or somebody like that. Like, you just, oh, okay, well, you know, you guys are aware of Coco and the Black Panther, right? Yeah, well, okay. El Muerto, we got a cultural hero, bam, we got that You see what happened was. <laughs> no, but it's a, you know, not to kiss your ass or anything, but I like the, you know, like diving into El Muerto, and, and, and it's a very, very tasteful, simple design, white shirt, logo in front, logo in back. Black and white. Like, yeah. black and white, uh, like when I was reading the comic, I wanted to color it, color it in myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, you should make a coloring book out of it. Um, El Muerto, go, is this a coloring yeah, book? Yeah, El Muerto mm-hmm. coloring book, um, but... You know, it, it's like a you know, traje de mariachi type, you know, thing, right? Like a matador. So it's like yeah. very, very fucking tasteful, not over the top. It's like a type of like a Batman well, thing, you know? Like, talk you about, know, we talked about movies and Netflix and all that. You know, we, we I remember the movie. El Muerto had a movie. Uh, I think like early Oh, 2000s. yeah, I have a question. And I, I, I remember watching the movie. And, yeah, 2007 it came out. Yeah, and it had uh, Wilder Valderrama. You know, and during that time, Fez. you're like, Fez, you know, and I was like, oh, shit, like, what's this movie? And I said, I like El Muerto. I know El Muerto. And I saw the movie, and I, I dug it. I really enjoyed the movie. It was a little, you know. By know. the way, Fez, Fez did a good job. Fez did a really good job. Yeah, yeah it was like, I think his first dramatic role, because he was still yeah. doing the 70s shows, like, on season five or something. And it was like, wow, yeah, he's playing a, yeah, a hero. That had a little cameo was, in it. I saw, I saw you there. I re- saw it recently to kind of match my memory. I remember, oh, that's Javier right there. Uh, All the facial hair was black back then. <laughs> but <it's laughs> yeah. But I think like with the movie was was cool. I dug it. Uh, I thought it was really well done and the language, you know, like all that stuff was really tasteful, you know, and I can appreciate, especially during that time. I mean, what what was your I mean takeaway from it now, looking back at that film? I mean, what do you think was was do you feel happy with how it turned out, or what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I know, like like anyone would think, right? Like, oh my gosh, they're making a movie out of my comics, so that was great. But the relationship I had with the director and the producer back then was great, you know, when we were starting out, because uh, you know, it was such a small independent film. Yeah. So I was I was pretty much on the you know I was on the team. Not, I mean, you know, you you assume like when they make these big giant movies and like the guy who created it, like they don't involve him at least traditionally, 
Because, yeah, it's a big movie. Like, we know how to make movies. Um, yeah. The independent guys, they know how to make a movie, but because they are so small, there's not this huge um, army Pressure. of people between, like, between me, the creator, and the, yeah. the, the filmmaker. So I would be there at the meetings. We'd be talking about the script. Uh, I had my lawyer make sure in the contract that I worked on the film. That's another thing that I don't think a lot of people do. Um, at least so you got, people you got credited pay. as a... What did you get credited as? Yeah, and that's all contractual. Yeah, that's all has to be in the contract. Everybody agrees on that. I was, I was, you know, based on the comic book created by Javier Hernandez, and I was the associate producer of the movie. Wow. And I had a cameo in the film because I asked the director, "Hey, I want to play this guy, the guy with the mask. He takes yeah. it off, and it's mm-hmm. the big reveal." Um. So no, the experience, Freddie, was great making it, and ten years later now, it's still a great memory of mine. Um, you know, I'm so glad we did it. You know. People can say, oh, but don't you wish it was a huge movie, you know, where, where it cost millions of dollars and you made millions? I go, wow, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah but it's that was, baby steps. That didn't right? happen. Everything... I still enjoyed what it was. Yeah. You think there could if anything, be... you get probably more liberty within that, right? Do you think there could be a, an option for that to happen in the future for that? I mean, does that even oh, yeah. exist? No, absolutely. Absolutely. There's a, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, there's an option for, I mean, there's a, potential for it yeah of course it's not like locked away in a box like no you can't ever make a movie out of it now a movie or like i said all these new things now yeah. these binge watch the series right on all yeah. these different because i would knew there's amazon there's youtube there's, there's Netflix. so much out there you know with we'll digital see. with digital we'll you know no, and, and, and like you guys are like i guess what you guys are saying is that there's so many avenues now to put your content yeah now now there's there so is. many avenues not just youtube you know, and 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 um, but there's so many avenues to put your content out, and it's fucking good content, like and fucking really good content. Well, it puts all the creators in the driver's seat because all these yeah. damn media companies they have appetites, man. They need content. Yeah. You know what I mean? Think of all these new companies that need content. So yeah. they gotta. Vamos a ver. Vamos a ver. But I think that I want to ask this question ver, too about about how the medium is now, right? How the medium is now with digital right like print on a lot of other matters are going down you know has comics been hit the same way that books have or have you seen it kind of go more digital now i mean where do you see hell no <laughs> it's it's gone as digital as books have but there's the books i still hear are great sell i mean i don't know maybe maybe done more research in it but well i i, I, I i'm gonna just throw out there a statistic that i heard on on NPR, um, let me put on my NPR voice. So I heard on NPR um, that supposedly um, book sales have gone down, print okay. has gone down, right. but comic book sales have gone fucking up like a motherfucker. Just, just to, you know, kind of you know people that are not part of this world, just like record record sales, like actual records, like you know the vinyl the, records, the records. Vinyl records, vinyl records have sales have gone up, but everything else has gone down. So, I guess that's would be my question. Like, what is it? Is it like a nostalgia thing? Is it like, uh, like it's it's not just words on a on on a book. It's more art in addition to words on a book that sort of is driving this resurgence in comic book sales. You know. Yeah, it, it, it maybe there's some nostalgia, but it's not nostalgia about the content because 
these are all new books, right? The comics that are mm-hmm. being sold. Yeah. Maybe people like the feel of the paper. Maybe that's the nostalgic part. All I can tell you is, so all my work, um, it's all, I, I print everything. I, I still print comics. You know, I find printers and you print them. And I do comic conventions. And, you know, I see at the conventions, people aren't going to the tables and buying, like, a download. <laughs> yeah. They're going to yeah. the tables and they're, yeah. they're buying comics. They're buying prints from people. Yeah. Buttons, graphic novels, zines. So, in some regards, like you were saying, the Walters, you know, it's healthy. The comics, um, yeah, people read them digitally, and you know, yeah, because it's, I mean, it's art. It's art. It's art. It's It's like if you buy a book, the art is typically on the cover. But when it comes to a comic book, it's like through through the whole throughout the whole damn content. It's just art upon art upon art, and yeah, good point. You know, like that's how I see it. It's just the whole damn thing is like to me, comic books. The whole damn thing is like a poster at the movie theaters. Every fucking you know page is is gold to a certain extent. You know, because it's like directly. You know, it it comes out of the artist, not just words alone. You know, right. Wait, um, let's move along here, you know, because I know that we want, we have tons of stuff that you've done, and you have a great just kind of like breadth of work that you've done not just creatively but also kind of talked about los comics and also um within the latino uh, convention you know you you kind of spearheaded that that whole uh movement there because how long how many years has this been going on when you did the uh the convention yeah me and my friend ricardo padilla uh he's up in the bay area san francisco so he was a fan of mine for years like he'd bring his <laughs> he'd bring his two little kids Sophie and Andy to the convention, uh, like the Alternative Press Expo in San Francisco, and uh, yeah, because he'd he'd want them to find Latino comics. Yeah. So he gravitated to me, uh, Rafael Navarro, you know, Carlos Saldana, Richard Dominguez, oh. Rodi Montijo. Uh, so anyway, so we became friends, became a friend of the family, and then one time we we're just talking about it's really funny. Um, we were in San Francisco for, I was probably up there for a convention or something, and we're walking the streets, me and him, Ricardo, and he's looking across the street at a building, and it was supposed to be, it was supposed to be at the time, the Mexican Museum, like a new, you know, a nice, yeah. beautiful, multi-million, and I don't want to get into the politics of it, uh, something happened, it, it rhymes with embezzlement. <laughs> something happened, right, so the funding <laughs> fell through. I don't want to yeah. get in trouble here. No, you're yeah, good. I, something. So the funny thing. So there's not going to be no Mexican museum at least back in 2010, whatever. So he's like, "Oh, look, Javi, we're not going to have that up here, man. I'm so depressed." Because he's a huge patron of the arts, not just comics. Him and his wife have a nice little Mexican Latino art collection. But anyway, and I, I just said it right there. I go, "Well, I don't know about that. You know, I can't do anything about that. Um, I don't know. Maybe we can just um, and just just like I'm telling you guys, it's just." It's just spilling out of me, you know, as I'm making it up. Maybe we can do, like, a Latino Comics Expo. He's like, what's that? And I go, I don't know. It's maybe, like, a comic convention just for Latino creators. Like, you're not going to have your museum, but since I know comics, why don't we gather a bunch of comic creators for a yearly show, maybe? He's like, oh. I go, yeah, like a convention. So that's basically where the idea came from. The birth. So I told Ricardo the birth of it on the streets of San Francisco. So I told Ricardo, I go, well, look, so it'll be maybe a weekend thing, a two-day show. But why don't you, since you, we'll do it up in San Francisco because, you, you know, you're up here, you know, you live here and you seem to have a lot of contacts. 
try to find like the American Legion Hall or you know some dilapidated building that leaks when it rains. You know something <laughs> cheap. Yeah, they'll yeah. be open to us, right? We'll, we'll probably I go, but just for the hell of it, why don't you go up to the Cartoon Art Museum, that really nice museum up the street, that whole that's the housing for all the great comic strips and comic books. Why don't you ask them first, just for the hell of it? Right, come off the street. Hey, you want to host the expo? They'll probably say no, but what the hell? So then I went home, and then like weeks later or whatever, I get a phone call from him. Hey, Javi, they said yeah. I go, who said yeah? I forgot about all this nonsense. There's the Cartoon Art Museum. They want to host it. I go, are you blanking me? Not that you guys give a shit if I say like they, they said Simon. Orale, what's up, man? So Simon, he asked them. They said they love the idea. They go, oh, that's great. We'd love to have something like that up here. So I go, oh shit, now we got to do this. Yeah. I go, so how, how do you create a convention? Anyway, so I went through the roll of books that in my head. Let me applaud that because it's like the inception of an idea, and it's like, oh shit, now I got to do it. No, I have to. Be careful what you wish for, man. Yeah. Exactly. No, but I'm being honest. I'd rather be honest. You know, I could be like one of these guys, like, oh, yeah. it was all planned out. I had a oh, yeah. I, 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 I looked upon myself and my cultural background, and I wanted to expose people to <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. That's so we put it together. Born. We just contacted our about, I think there's only 12 people at that first show, 12 uh, exhibitors. You know, it's all people I knew and I did shows with. So from there it grew. It grew to a yearly thing. Yeah, and, um, and to yeah, like just to piggyback off of that, um, with Hector from uh, Peso Hero, Hector Rodriguez, yes, yep, 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 yep. Uh, Stanley interviewed him. Freddie interviewed him, and he kind of said that you pretty much pushed him to do his own shit to a certain extent. Yeah, at one point he wanted to, you know, yeah, he wanted to get us out there or whatever. I go, well, just you know, I don't know if we get out, you know, at the time. Yeah. Like, well, I don't know if we get out there sooner or later, but you know, do your own, I guess. And then, boom! Like, oh shit, he did it. So that's great. He did it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's uh, yeah. It it kind of comes. Exactly. And the other reason I'm asking that is it kind of comes full circle because that's where at least myself, uh, Freddie took me, and you know, he I went to go visit him in Dallas in, in Fort Worth, and went to the Latino Comic Con in Dallas. And I was like, what the fuck? And I met Hector, and I met, you know, Boyman, and I met La Cucaracha, Gato Negro, and I was like, you, and it's like, what the fuck? Like, this shit's been going on this whole time, you know? So that, that, that's when, that's a question that I've been wanting to ask you, you know, because it kind of comes full circle in terms of, of, of influence, and or at least influence and inspiration to kind of create something, right? Well, as far as I know, back in 2011, that was the... And if someone finds otherwise, that's fine. Let me know. But I've looked up, I've looked online, but maybe someone will find the newspaper clipping or something. But as far as I know, that was the first, you know, Latino-centric mm-hmm. comic convention ever created or in the U.S. Obviously, South America, yeah. Mexico, they have comic. But we're talking about American Latino. American, so, yeah. Um, yeah, we've been doing it every year. And now it's great to see Hector doing the Latino comic. In fact, I was at the Texas Latino Comic Con. And some guy came by my table, gave me a postcard, like, oh, in a few months, I'm doing the Mex-American? Yeah, Mex-American. you know about that, Freddie? Yeah, I heard about that. That yeah, was in... Mexican-American. What was that? Gonzalo went there. I could have sworn it was in Dallas. In Austin. He was, was here in Austin. It was in Austin. Austin. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, hey, hit me up when you're down here for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, now there's, there's another one. There's one back east called Nerdino. I think they, they've done two already. Do you think uh, that... So, you know... I mean, because I know how you have... 
Comic Con now, the mainstream Comic Con, they just have San Diego, LA Comic Con, New York right. Comic Con. Oh God, that. every city's got one. Every city's know. got one now. So do you think that we, uh, that Latino creators are gonna just are gonna be needing these spaces eventually, or do you think kind of how you said earlier in the conversation that if the work is good enough, we won't necessarily need to have these specific um, cons mm-hmm. anymore? Or do you think we're still going to need to have these cons to keep kind of promoting the Latino um, artists? No, no, I think it's definitely always important to still have a Latino comic con or whatever local one you want to make up. Um, oh, by the way, really quick, we did do our first Latino Comics Expo in Texas in February. We were in Brownsville. Ooh. We partnered up with some people. Yeah, it was, La- Tex- it was Latino Comics Expo, but Brownsville at the Brownsville Museum. Um, but to answer your question, no. Here's what I tell people. Which is right at the border, artists. which is, by the way, for people from yeah. L.A., Brownsville is right at the border with fucking Mexico, right there where Build the Wall and all that other shit, so. Yeah, it was definitely a border, a border, it was cool for us to do a border town show, because, mm-hmm. you know, L.A.'s kind of landlocked away yeah. from the border. But to answer Freddie's question, um, what I tell artists, like, yeah, come to our expo, but, you know, we're only doing one a year, so. You bet. If you're a comic, you better get your butt out there and do all the yeah. other, sh- you know, other shows that you can. Don't just, don't just hold out for us. I mean, it's nice if they do. And a lot of times, the artists will debut a new comic at our show, like they plan it, which is great. Yeah. But do other shows, and I tell the audience again for the audience that comes. Okay, look, I'm sure all the audience, you guys go to different conventions, manga, anime, comics. That's that's great. But for this one weekend. It's uh, it's like a one-stop shopping. In one weekend, we've gathered up a room full of just Latino creators or content that's Latino. So, and after the show's over, the fans will keep going to other shows. The creators keep, but you know, it's nice to yeah, make so a gathering when, when's once the a next, year. Uh, Latino in LA, the next. Latino well, the next Latino Comics Expo is going to be in. Uh, we're going to move up. For next year, at least for March, uh, at Modesto College, we got invited to go up there to do a little oh, partnership up there. So in the Bay Area, kind of hit, central. Hit California. me up. I know somebody that can moderate that shit. <laughs> in, in, in Modesto? Yeah. Modesto. Uh, I'll, so we'll go up there, shit. But no, like, promote that shit too, man. Like, we'd be down. I'd be down to go check, check it out. Like, I'm, I'm starting to get more into it. Like, I, like I would. Telling Stanley, like, it's not something that I knew that existed, to be honest. Right. Well, that's good. That's good for us. Expose yeah, new people. A, not, we want to expose new people. This is I why grew, I like I the conventions. With, I grew up with, like, anime. Like you mentioned earlier, anime, you know, Rurouni Kenshin, uh, yeah. Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball Z. Uh, all that other, you know, Sailor which Moon. is good fucking content. Yeah, said all that good stuff. But then all of a sudden it turns out that there's this all this content that's very relatable to, to one's self, you know? So exactly, that's exactly. That's, what, that's our whole goal is to get the word out there. And I enjoy the fact that when those conventions are like that, you're accessible. I got to meet you, you know, and I never thought I would meet yes. you know, the creator of Muerto, you know, Gato Negro, or just to meet them, see them face-to-face, you know, and, and, and that's really quaint, and I enjoy you, that. You know what? I enjoyed these things, these meetings too. Let me tell you this. Um, so you, you guys know the Baldo newspaper strip? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Baldo, he uh, was there as well. H- yeah. Hector Cantu, the writer, yeah. and then the artist Carlos Castellanos uh, is in Florida. Um, in 2008, El Muerto showed up in the Baldo strip, like a, for a five, a five, not issue, a five-part storyline. Yeah. He invited me in, so that was pretty cool to have El Muerto in the newspaper. But so at the Texas Latino Comic Con, the after party was held at Hector's house. So 
pretty good collection. There's Hector Cantu, the creator of Baldo, the art the writer, co-creator. There's Richard Dominguez, the creator of El Gato Negro. Yeah. And there's me, who was inspired by Richard. And then next to me was Hector, who was inspired by me. Yeah. So at one point, because I'd never met Hector. We'd yeah. only known through Facebook, MySpace in the old days. And yeah. yeah. So we finally got to meet at his convention. He was telling me how, you know, you know, everybody gets all late at night, gets all emotional and heartfelt. Javi, man, I got to thank you for yeah. yeah, there's a little drinking going on, but it's all right. Yeah. And the truth comes out. No, he's a hobby, man. Yeah. I got to thank you for your inspiration. You know, I saw Muerto and I realized we can make our own comics. And as he's talking to me, I go, Hector, I got to stop you for a second, man, because what you're telling me right now, and I turn to Richard. I remember telling Richard when I met Richard. So it's just like boom, boom. And I'm sure I told him, I'm sure in three, four, five years, some kids are gonna come up to you. Hey, Mr. Hector Rodriguez, man, I saw, I saw the news about your comic. I saw Telemundo talking about this or whatever. Yeah. And then that kid's gonna inspire some other. You know what I mean? So it's nice to be one part of that. You're, you're setting path. up a, a, a lineage, Contiguous. you know, a lineage for it, lineage. not just allowing you to be you. You know, like you said it. You every one of those people you mentioned. Are their own create their own thing their own they're not copying you're not copying Gato Negro and they're not Hector's not copying El Muerto, you know they're they're their own thing literally right. they're very very yeah. different and yeah. you can appreciate it and they're and not he's not relying on me to mm-hmm. he's not relying on me to make his career and I'm not relying yeah. on Richard and you can't and you can't you can't do that and only because not because you don't want to help your fellow Latino it's because I don't look at it as Latino or culture I look at it as an artist. Not, again, regardless of what you are, yeah, your culture, group, your sex, whatever. To me, to me, like you have to be your artist. Your creative energy has to be your core. You know, um, before anything else, before you want to represent this group, you want to. Yeah, like pretty much your your environment. Your, it's like your shit has to be good, and I'll help you out. I'll I'll give you some advice, but your shit has to be good, pretty much, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're responsible for your own uh, work. Yeah, I mean, you're responsible. Speaking if you're of your good, work, you're good. You know what I I, 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 you know, uh, J.K. Rowling. I mean, I'm sure they wake up and the, the first thought is, what am I going to create today? How am I going to fix it? How am I going to make it better? Not so much like, oh, I got to call all the other female authors and see how they're doing because yeah. it's sisterhood. Yeah. Like, no, but there but is what that. I, I do, get that. But as an what artist, I do appreciate though, and and where you you find the need of 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 of, 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 of uh, like tutelage. Or, 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 you know, apprenticeship, right, to a right. certain extent, is that, like, people with your talent and people before you can see somebody with actual talent and kind of pinpoint them and notice, at least notice them, you know, get the story, understand right. what they're coming from, because you do need that, you know, despite whether... You know, get away from the you know cultural and racial or whatever. But like you know, let's put it plain and simple: a white person won't see it until you know there's money involved in it. Like until until there's a profit to be made of it. You know, like big companies won't 
pay attention to it, right? It takes to it, it takes our own people and our own support to kind of give it wings so that it can get noticed by everybody else, right? Because we're part of it. It's part of our culture. That's the way I see it. It's not necessarily, yes, of course, the person has to be talented. The content has to be amazing. But it takes a particular eye to notice the talent. You know, and if and if that eye doesn't have that particular cultural bent or insight, they're not gonna notice. You know, El Dia de los Muertos or Days of the Dead or Gonzalo Pollo Man. You know what I mean? That's what I'm getting at. Well, I know my fan base. Obviously, yeah. If, you know, I, I don't know what percentage exactly. I don't know if I'm gonna say 65, 75, 80. But the Apoyo, the support has definitely been. Uh, the acceptance, the initial like grabbing for that comic because mm-hmm. it's means something to them. Yeah, it's definitely been from Latino, Mexican American, uh, Hispanic, you know, all the different groups. Um, but it's not my only audience. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, I got that movie deal by, you know, the guys who contacted me. They were they were not Latino guys, but Hustling. they saw the, you know, yeah, and the, the idea like, oh, it's a Latino character. You know, we're again looking for content, looking for. That Latino dark gothic character with the dead overtones. So, um, but yeah, the yeah, like your my base, my core is absolutely la you know la raza la gente. Yeah, um, I'm, but I'm, I want I'm, anyone to read the book. No, exactly. And that's a beautiful everyone. part. That's a good thing. Like you said earlier, it's good. It'll go hit everybody, not just one specific niche. And yeah. I, I I know your work's that good. And I mean, what's next for for you? What's the next step for El Muerto? What's the next book? I mean, what's kind of what's the path that you can share with us? Maybe what's what's next for coming up for Javier? Uh, literally, may. the next comic is going to be. I'm going to go back into do uh, another uh, Manga Muerto story. So Manga Muerto is just like <laughs> I saw up. that. I saw that. I'm interested. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't have a copy here with me, but. Hey, I'm gonna Back build. In- I'm a. I'm a. I'm a build a little bookshelf. I'm building a little bookshelf. I'm gonna fill it up with your shit. If you if if, if you don't mind, I'm gonna fill it up no, with please. your shit. Put <laughs> some uh, marigolds on it and uh, yeah, sugar skulls. I'm still alive though, but yeah. yeah so I have this. <laughs> I did this spinoff character called Manga uh-huh. Muerto back in '99 or 2000 because I I had done a Muerto comic and I wanted to do like a giant. Cause I'm a big Japanese. Old school Japanese anime Who is it? fan like Who is it? Gigantor, Shit. Speed Racer, yeah. Giant Robot, yeah. live action. Anyway, I wanted to create a character with a giant robot fighting giant monsters in Japan. But then it's like, well, do I want to create a new character? I go, what if I got El Muerto and then did a spin off series where <laughs> he's in Japan as a foreign exchange student oh, awesome. and just draw more cutesy manga style, big eyes and bigger head proportion to the body. And Chihuahua. So I'll, just, I'll just make it El Muerto. <laughs> Yeah, hey, that'd be cool. I mean, I, I I would I think I would like that. I'm down with that. Yeah. I like well, manga. That's what the, yeah, I've done three stories of manga. So I usually just call. Where them can I order that? <laughs> Signed, uh, autograph. It's, it's out of print right now, but I'm gonna do a new story, and okay. I'm gonna put the other three back in print. Yeah, yeah for sure. So I I thought of this concept manga where I go well. Let me just call it that for now. I'll figure out the name later. And it's like you know what. Manga, everybody likes saying the name Manga Muerto. It works, and it's a cool name, and it's how would you say that in Japanese? Manga Muertoru. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, with the accent or what the yeah, it's like a, it has to be you know accompanied by a vowel. Manga, manga Muertoru. I'm, I'm excited yeah. for that. I yeah. think that it's good. The more exposure to it now, it'll be great. And 
you know, I mean, coming close here to the end of our talk, I know we kept you longer than than we expected, but we, we should no, be talking to you, man. And I wanted just to ask this of you because just like Walter here, my primo, got exposed to this whole culture and, and you know, he himself, yes. saw, he saw himself not yes. necessarily as an eye for art or even creating you know, what can you tell someone that is out there trying to do their own thing, starting out, not necessarily just comics, but just artistic-wise? What can you offer as advice? I mean, I know you do these talks. I know that you do that kind of on your, on your own as well. But what can you and, give our and, listeners, and, you know? and just to add on to what Freddie's saying, like, skip the bullshit, cliche, diet, you know, blase type, you know, you know, saying. Like, what the fuck, like, people that are out there trying to do their own shit, pretty much, you know? Well, I'll do what Carlos Saldana told me 20-plus years ago. And, just, you know, just do it. I mean, do it because you want to do it, not because I, I think. Yeah. Not because you think you have to do it. I mean, I guess you could do that. Like, I, I don't know, for example, like, I don't know, like if somebody wants to see more characters, say, uh, say the artist is in a wheelchair, and he goes, you know what? She wants to see more characters like that. Mm-hmm. So she could create the character to fill that void. Um, I, I just think the fuel of you just wanting to express yourself, no matter what, because it's very hard to self-publishing. You got to pay for everything. If, if if that fuel that you want to create something and put it out in the world is strong enough, then let that be the fuel, and then I think yeah. the other things could fall into place. So I mean, again, that's just what I ended up doing. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, I'm very cognizant. I'm very aware and. I plug into the Latino culture and, you know, market it to that those groups and such. And but there's no, there's no harm that, in it. You need to. Yeah, but it's that core of wanting to create. So when you leave the earth, you leave behind. You know, not just yeah. don't just leave behind debt and a bad car. You know, <laughs> yeah. some some things you created because you wanted to. Shit, you leave and it's back pure. Some shitty car, it's car pure, right? I mean, like you said, it's pure because. It's real. It's like you said. You put yourself into it, and it's not um, tainted, right? You know, it's it's pure. It's it's your creation, and you did it because you wanted to do it, not because you're trying to please someone, right? Or a or a group or a thing or something. So. Yeah, because at least that's the way I do it. No, I mean, I mean, you've been doing this for like I said, you know, twenty odd years, and. I mean, you at some point, I'm guessing, there's always ups, downs in everything you're doing, but yeah, if you didn't love now. it, you wouldn't still be doing it. Absolutely. That's the thing. It's that pure love, that drive, that desire to want to do it, to want to, want to see it out in public. Because I mean, we can sit all day and create stuff in your sketchbook and in your head and like, okay, well, that's not... I mean, you created it, but you didn't produce it and show it and put yeah, it out. I mean, like the, what I'm getting out of it is like, Good shit transcends shit. That's it. Yes, you could say that. You could say that. Yeah. You did say that, but yeah. more so like put yourself out there, right? Take the risks. Is what I'm yeah. hearing. You're gonna take the slings and the arrows and the compliments. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah exactly. Exactly. Well, Vera, I wanna I wanna thank you, man. I really, really, really appreciate this. I hope that we can meet up again, just chat. You know, I feel this is more not just a one-time thing, but more like hopefully a relationship as well. Sure, um, absolutely. I think so. I definitely love the conversation, knowing more about you. Like I said, I was a little starstruck when I first met you. Oh, and uh, no, I mean that, man. I mean, that. <laughs> I told you. Like, no, I, I, no, I'm not being arrogant. I believe you. you but I'm, when I when I tell people, I go, "Hey, man, I'm like you guys. I still got to go to the 
drive through at Taco Bell. Yeah. I can't hear the speakers, you know, correctly. <laughs> I, I go to the sales at Target on Sunday morning. So yeah. <laughs> no, I'll be honest. I I am starstruck right now because when I didn't know about like it like. I'm coming from a background that has very little to no exposure to Latino comic book content. Right. And then I went there and I was like, "Damn, this is so amazing! I connect. You can it, people are like the, the artists are approachable. That was the biggest thing to me. The artists are approachable. I love and that. Then, to hear that. Yeah, it's fucking beautiful. Like I, I'm not gonna go to some big ass Comic Con and they don't let, even let you go. You know, get close to them and you have to pay for everything, right? Like we were like me and Stanley were saying, you have to pay sixty dollars just to get in. I'm like, motherfucker, I'd rather spend that on product. You know, twenty bucks, yeah. bucks a piece, on twenty books. bucks a piece on a product, right? So, like, it's like, and then in retrospect, to me, I was like, shit, like, damn, these people are pretty fucking dope, you know? So it's like, from my perspective, it's like a very, you know, at, at, at los admiro, los admiro por el trabajo que hacen. Por el contenido, por el art, por todo el arte que tienen, el arte que ponen, y, y and, and it's a particular uh, niche that we find ourselves in, where we're in the United States, we are not Mexican or Salvadoreño or any kind of Centroamericano, and but we're not American as well. We're like somewhere in the middle, you know, kind of like stuck in the middle between like. You know the afterworld, the living in the dead. You yeah, know, there you go. Diego <laughs> style. Like, Diego yeah, style. like they were, or yeah, Diego style type. Of, you know, like living dead or whatever. <laughs> or, como, 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 I always tell Stanley, it's like, um, el inglés no lo sé y el español se me está olvidando. So it's like, where the fuck are we? Like, we're somewhere in the middle. So that's the beautiful part to me about it that kind of really connects to me as as a Latino here in the United States. You know. Stuck in the middle with you, like that song says. Yeah. Stuck in the middle. Yeah. Right. There we go. Do the Michael Matt. There you go. Michael, Michael Matt. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But yeah, okay. so we're, I want to thank you again, man. We'll definitely check out your stuff. We're gonna post a link to your to your website and your blog on our our Facebook page. That way, people can go look at there, look at all your stuff, buy the awesome. buy the books. Uh, and please, I just uh, hope you have you back soon. Yeah, thank yeah. you guys so much, and thanks to your listeners for uh, you know giving a listen. And you guys keep doing your good work because uh, you interview not just artists or comic people, but all kinds of people from the Latino box of life. So that was Javier El Muerto Hernandez. Go! No, no, it's no, a no, dope. I should be, he should have a jersey that says that on the back of his. Yeah. Hey, Javier, new idea. Make a jersey del Muerto. Yeah, man. Javier El Muerto. How about that? Spanish? Oh, it would be cool if you sponsored like a little a little league team, you know, little kids. Ah, Los Muertos. El Los Muertos. Los Muertos soccer team. No de, ham no de hambre, hopefully, va, pero... <laughs> los, los Muertos. muertos. But I hope you guys enjoyed the interview. I loved uh, the interaction with him. I was geeking out a little bit. I mean, a lot. I'll be honest. I was kind of a little bit awestruck. But Javier really shared. I thank you again. Uh, you guys should check out his uh, website, which is up Havzilla, J-A-V-Z-I-L-L-A.com, ElMuerto.com, and also LatinoComicsExpo.com, where, again, we talked about it there briefly. He uh, led the charge on that with the Latino Comic Con, in a way, and also in Dallas, and kind of spread that, and it, everything's kind of growing. Uh, but check out his work, and also all over Instagram, you know, social media, look for... Javier Los Comex on Instagram and Javier Hernandez on Twitter. So we'll put a post on our site here on Facebook and our Instagram as well uh, with his information. But definitely check out Javier's work. He's working hard to make El Muerto relevant 
and still keeping it rooted in that indie feel, that old school kind of kind of vibe. I love it. Nothing nothing wrong with it. like grit never goes out of style, you know, and he has that. And so we definitely want to just keep an eye on his work because he's moving forward. He's planning a series moving forward in Muerto, so I'm glad for that. But with us here tonight, we want to end the show with kind of uh, a little bit of glimpse of what's going moving forward. The show, you know, from the beginning of its inception, me and Walter really put it uh, a forefront to talk about representation. And I was always about inclusion. Walter was always about not assimilating, you know, but the time has come, you know, with the culture that's happening and how things are politically. We've stepped away from it because we feel that, you know, the airwaves and the Internet, everything is always so in your face when it comes to that stuff, you know? No, no. I mean, not only that, it's just, I mean, at the moment, it didn't... We just had other shit to talk about. True, <laughs> really. but I think that we, uh, we decided but, yeah. to step back a moment and not really dig our heels when it comes to that progress because we, mm-hmm. we were good about it. Don't get me wrong. I could sit here all day and talk about reform and, and, and politics. And we will. And we will. We will. But we're working on, on something here, you know, moving forward that we're going to still touch on that. We're still going to kind of mix mix the kind of a lot of segments that we're going to bring back things we're going to try again and we really want to have that you all the listener be involved you know let us know what your thoughts are we're on social media we're at my primos podcast on all the social media you can email us at my primos podcast at gmail.com ideas thoughts hey if you want to be involved in some way remember we're all primos we're here to lift each other up and keep that in mind with what's happening in the climate right now you know keep that in mind that we're here to help each other up so walter I want you to take us out as always with your words of wisdom. How can we close the night? Uh, well, just you know, keeping along that same line. Um, if you have, if you like what you hear, pass it on. And if you have content that you'd like us to get exposed to, um, you know, if you like to be on the show, you know, and you got and you got shit to say or shit to show, let yeah. us know, man. We're down and. Um, you know, just kind of related to what's been going on with the quote-unquote caravans, and we've been we've talked about this before, right? The backpackers, you know. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're, we're Native Americans, and don't let them tell you otherwise. Simple as that, man. Like, we've been here, we're gonna be here. We've never been gone, you know. So, we're not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. Primos, take care, and you'll hear from me soon. Adios.